message I have today will help you if you pay attention and uh, really if you want something you'll get it if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you'll be filled if you'll say with me a little prayer Lord if you have something for me today out of this word spoken from thy word would you give it to me I want it I want to talk to you about the heresy of the secular versus the sacred and how that is, it is really alive and well among us even today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 is our school theme verse. It was chosen by Christian Powell, uh, Jean Powell's husband, and he died, and she married uh, Riffle, changed her last name a little bit. But You know, they were about 80. I think Riffle was about 80 when I got married, and she said, you think I, I want to get married? And I said, you think it's wise? She said, well, yeah, well, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to eat alone. I said, well, I guess it isn't too bad. Because even if, it, if it's not good, it won't last long. I don't know why I get joy out of saying that. Because when you marry an 18-year-old, you cannot say that. You better be sure because this is going to be a long, winding road at 18. But whether, therefore, you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. There's a double standard in Christianity that's killing us. It's just not new to our generation. It's been around a long, long time, ever since the writing of this verse. The double standard is the concept of the secular and sacred. It is a wall of separation uh, between that which is good and for God and that which is for the world. It's believed by this heresy that one counts for eternity while the other is really a waste of time. I used to struggle with this. and I don't know any Christian that saved young for sure that doesn't struggle with this. My early years... I laid floor covering for 17 years. I was uh, My dad taught me a trade, and I worked with him since I was seven, eight years old, all the way through 18. At 19 years old, I bought a van and became a mechanic, a floor covering mechanic, and I knew how to do some of it. And I'd show up on the job, and the ladies would say, where's the mechanic? And I'd say, I'm him. They'd cry. They say, you are way too young to do this. I say, well, you know, I had to go through my whole story. You know, I was one year old. I would work five to six days a week laying floor covering of all kinds, tile, vinyl, etc. 
working in a mundane world of labor. I was installer. I installed it. I made a living so I could do the sacred, as it were, and so I could pay for going to a Christian college. God had called me into uh, preaching, pastoring, missionary work when I was 10 years old. I knew his call was on me to do that. But in the meantime, he said, you're going to be a floor covering guy. And uh, I, was, I went to Bob Jones University to get a degree in Bible and had to pay for it. And so the floor covering worked out well. Eventually, according to this philosophy, was able to get out of the secular and get into the sacred, which is what many people think I'm doing now. And I believe I am. When I was first saved, I would be thrilled when I was uh, allowed to do the sacred and disappointed, or at least in my heart, I was saddened somewhat in doing the work of this world. Now, what is that? Well, it could be washing my car or mowing my lawn or washing my windows or waxing one of my vehicles or painting our house. And, and the list goes on and on and on. You name it. But basically, I kind of sensed that that was a work that was without reward in the life to come. Now, how many kind of have that in your mind, in the back of your mind, you've had that in your mind before? Would you raise your hand with me? All five people. A lot of people have this. I hear it regularly. How sad it is, because I have to say this, the most and the majority of the time we spend in this world is secular according to this philosophy. And a little bit of our time is sacred. So according to this philosophy, the secular really doesn't count for eternity, but the sacred counts for eternity. So the sad thing is out of, out of a 365 day of a year, not too much of that goes to sacred, but a whole lot goes to the secular. It has to. This created in me a restlessness, a sadness, a discontented feeling while doing the work of this world. Can I turn this down by doing this? Is that working? Something happening? Ah. I feel like a roach under a light. I knew something was wrong with this whole deal. I knew that it just did not jive. I could not understand why I was asked by God to do all this secular work. Uh, could there really not be another way around it? I, ha you know, I had to eat, pay bills, replace things. I, 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 I had to pay tithe, which actually was a little bright spot because I felt like my tithe money was for sure sacred. And that was for something that would count. And that was a sweet spot. Uh, the tithe was secret and accounted. So that was in the big scheme of things. I, I felt. Now remember, this. I wasn't right on all this. Let me define the two terms. Sacred. According to the dictionary, sacred is connected to God or dedicated religious purposes. So deserving veneration. So the sacred is some. Wee. The secular is denoting attitudes and activities or other things that have no religious or spiritual value. So there you have it. The dilemma. 
As children of God, you and I live in two worlds simultaneously. We live in the spiritual world, and we live in the natural world. In the spiritual, we have great satisfaction. Man, great satisfaction. But in the secular, we often find ourselves frustrated, uneasy, maybe even discontented about all the work and the hours we have to spend in the secular because we feel that they're really not going to count in the big picture. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to waste any of this life. We comfort ourselves with the thought that there's a better day coming, that Jesus is coming. Soon all the secular will be over. Soon this old mundane thing called life will end. A.W. Tozier, which is a thinker, says in his book, Pursuit of God, he calls this what I've just mentioned to you, the secular sacred antithesis. The secular sacred antithesis, as if those two were against one another. The cure for this daily grind is to understand the teaching of the New Testament. The use of truth is a way to dispel error or doubts, and it's also a way to change your thinking and knowledge of what God has said. Jesus is the first place I want to go. What about Jesus and his life? I think it testified of the unity of purpose and the marriage between secular and sacred. Every minute of every day to Jesus was sacred. Would you say amen to that? Okay. Serving the Father's will, he bathed, took a shower, bathed. It was sacred. He changed clothes. It was sacred. He, uh, he did more than that. He was a carpenter. In fact, he was a carpenter about 30 years. He was a carpenter. Well, I mean, you know, you got to get up to five years old. So 25, he started with his dad at 25 years old. I don't know. I think Joseph died. I don't know where he died, how he died, when he died. But I think he died along the way. But Jesus worked in carpentry. Oh, that's not too far from laying carpet. You know, he's working with his hands, making stuff, right? He's doing stuff with his hands. Do you think that was an accident? That Jesus was a carpenter? I don't think so. He bathed, he dressed, he worked as a carpenter. He was about 30. He sharpened saws. It makes sense. Carpenters sharpen things. Now, back then, it wasn't with electricity. You had to go choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. Sharpening stuff's mundane. You ever sharpen a chain by hand? Chainsaw? Chainsaw? Oh, man. Back and forth. You ever sharpen a knife by hand? I had a grandfather that was in barbering, and he'd take that thing on a piece of leather, and he'd go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then he'd come to, he'd come to, sh he'd come to shave me like this. My dad took me over to his dad, which was a barber, to get my hair cut. Uh, and he had uh, the shakes. He, he had the DT. I mean, he was an alcoholic for, for years. And he, had, he had the shakes. They left him with the shakes, that razor, and that bothered me. I heard my mother tell my dad, what are you trying to do, kill our kid? Well, I'm going to say they did try to kill me in a lot of different ways. But it didn't work. Jesus' life testifies of unity of purpose. He knew no divided life. Every minute of every day was sacred. It was sacred. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he sent, he has sent, these are Jesus' words. He has sent me, he that has sent me is with me. I'll get that right. The Father hath not left me alone, and here's a key, 
for I do always those things that please him. How much? That's everything. When he was 30 years of carbon, 25 years of carbon, 20 years of carbon, whatever you want to start at 10 years old. Uh, it was all for G it was all for God the Father. It was all in the will of God. Now we're talking about all the mundane things of life. Listen to the verse. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. Now look, there's nothing more mundane than fixing a meal. How many times you girls fix the meal? How many times some of us boys do too, but how many times you done dishes? I just hate doing dishes. How many say amen? God bless you. Let's have revival. But, uh, I mean, doing dishes. My mom had three boys. We had five of us in the family. We ate, uh, for a while, we ate big, big supper, breakfast, supper at home, and there'd be a ton of dishes at the end of the day. For five years, my brother Jim did dishes. For five years, my brother Louie did dishes, and guess what? For five years, I did dishes. I cleaned the house. I was like a little slave boy. Don't feel bad for me. Because when I got to be an adult, it helped me. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. What he was doing during those early years as a carpenter was part of his ministry. It all worked together. Our work in this world after salvation if done in faith, is for God. It is given to Him. Every morning, if we simply will present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is simply a reasonable service, then it is everything we do is sacred. I'm not talking about sin now. I'm talking about the, the activity we do. If we sin, it's not sacred. But the activities that we do, the work we do. Praise can be a sacrifice, the Bible says. Sacrifice of praise. Praise is sacrifice, you know. It says prayer can be a sacrifice in the Bible. And you're going to love this. Plumbing can be a sacrifice to God. And the plumber said, I love plumbing. Love plumbing. I just like glue and pipe together. I just love that. Whatever you do, the verse says, is whatsoever you do. That's deep. Eating and drinking, preparation, everything, if given to God, is a sacrifice to Him and for Him. Why did God do that? Because he knew this was part of the big picture. Because all of it is necessary to have part in the so-called sacred service. Maybe a passing tracks out or witnessing or being a light at work. It's all part of the same. You aren't going to be much of a witness if you don't shower every day or, or close to it. No one goes door to door, I hope, without bathing, putting a little deodorant on, sha uh, shaving. Putting clean clothes on, 
Maybe having some breakfast. Maybe picking the house up. Maybe have to, maybe have to fix a flat on the way to door to door. All this works together to make it possible to go soul winning. There's no division, biblically, between the sacred and the secular. This painful duality, if I may call it that, is gone. Or the secular and sacred antithesis, as A.W. Tozer calls it. I've heard preachers, well-meaning preachers, get up and say, don't waste your life in business. They do not understand what the Bible's teaching. They have misinterpreted it and are propagating what is just not biblical. And how discouraging it would be for the first two years of my college about Jones, I was a business major. I thought God had called me into business. I knew he'd called me to do something, but I thought, well, I'm going to do business. And it'll help me. And it has helped me. And it will help me. Working 17 years out there slugging it out with, with, with Murphy, <laughs> with Murphy and, and the world has helped me as a pastor. It's, I know where you're at. I have empathy where the working guy's at, where he's got to get up, try to make it happen. And by the way, nothing wants to work well in this world. Two things don't want to fit together. No jobs want to make it happen. So you're fighting a resistance called Murphy's Law, but it's really the curse of, of sin that is against us every day. But brother and sister in Christ, I don't care what occupation you do. If you're a born-again Christian, you get up in the morning and say, Today I give my life to Jesus Christ, as Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says to do. I beseech you there, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. You do that in the morning. And you say, God, now be with me. Everything you do. The policeman on the beat is a sacred service for God. Aren't you glad for him? That one that pulled you over for a ticket, you glad for him? You know, I've been pulled over about six times for speeding. Does that surprise you? I've been pulled over six times for speeding, and, I, and when the officer comes up to the window, he'll say, Where are you? did you know how fast you were going? I'll usually say, officer, I, I wasn't thinking it was awful. I, I, I don't want to speed, and thank you for stopping me. I struggle on the part of thank you for stopping me, but if I was going to harm someone, I'm glad he stopped me. Six times they let me off. I'm teaching you something. When my wife gets stopped, they ticket her every time. That's because she cops a two. Them girls, man. They cop a two. He picks that up. Ticket time. My 17 years in floor covering was as sacred as what I'm doing right now. Listen to me. It put me in houses among families that no door-to-door -door person would ever be allowed in. I went in many gated communities where, brother, let me tell you, no preacher or church member was permitted to come in unless your name was registered at the gate. Uh, 
And I got to go in there as a born-again Christian with a bunch of gospel tracts and a testimony for Jesus among all them rich folks. And I got to go in there, and I've been in some rich home, $30 million homes. And that was just a little bit of their money. In fact, that was more conservative than when I bought my house. And when you got $300 million, that's not much. And so I got to go in there and say, hey, before I leave here, I want to talk to you about the greatest thing that ever happened, Jesus Christ coming to my heart. Now, folks, he wouldn't let that happen because I just finished his job. He's glad to have a nice job done. They'll sit there and listen to you. The door's open. Now, God did that. And it, it, was, it worked because instead of being sad that I just wasted a whole day laying floor covering and, and, and I didn't get to be out there going door to door, I didn't get to be doing a bus route, or I didn't get to be an active sacred duty, so-called, I, I, I said, I said, I'm in sacred duty. I've been, I'm a spy for Jesus. I'm covertly allowed to come in this guy's house. And if they left my name at the gate, I'd go back later. Go door to door. Till they threw me out. That was about three houses. But it was okay. I got three, I got three houses. The third one was somehow the association director. You know, you're not supposed to be in here. Uh, yeah. But you're dying and going to hell, and you need me to be here. Oh! Okay. It's okay. But it's put me where no preacher could go. I think we should go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But we can't get to every creature as preachers. I can tell you, you can't get to every creature uh, as, as a member of Gospel Baptist Church or as a Christian. But if you're doing a work, whether it be plumbing, whether it be electrician, whether it be carpentry, whether it be uh, computer work, or whether whatever it be, you get to places and the people that know that brother wouldn't even listen to me, wouldn't give me the time of day, but they'll listen to you. Take Christ with you. Take the gospel with you. Pass out gospel tracts. Give a witness, and that is sacred. If anything sacred, make every work that you do a priestly ministry. I've had people say, oh, you know, I feel bad. I wasn't called into the ministry. That means you get your paycheck from a church, I guess. And so I guess my life's not going to count the way I wanted to. Hogwash. It's a lie from hell. It's to defeat you. It's to discourage you. It's to make you somehow think you're a sub-Christian. You're somehow below that elite that get called and go into a full-time Christian, you know, full-time Christian service. A while back, a guy came to me and says, uh, 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 is uh, Jim Knott full-time? Asked me if Jim Knott was full-time. I said, yes. I didn't hesitate. I said, yes. Oh, oh, he's full-time. I said, yeah, Jim's full-time. Later, he came back to me and said, you said Jim was full-time. He's not full-time. He's a realtor. I, he's a realtor. That's free advertisement, brother. <laughs> he's right there. He's right there. He's a realtor. I said, well, that's just where he gets his money. But every day he works is for Jesus. I do not consider Jim not a whit less than Brother Moon, or and definitely not Brother Barrows. I don't consider 
uh, Bobby, Bobby, who's uh, Bobby, what's your last name again? Uh, I don't consider Bobby back there as an elevator mechanic. It, it, I'm, if that's somehow below you on your title, I'm sorry. It's the best I know to do. But working on elevators, I don't think, I do think he has ups and downs, however. I, Bobby Miller, brother, is a servant of the living God. He is as sacred in his work as I am in my work. Now, that will make you excited. See the freedom that gives you? You see the, the enthusiasm that gives you? You see how it, it, you mean to tell me God called me into fixing auto, automobiles and that that can be for him, and it counts just as much as if I Yes, if it's done for Jesus. Yes, if it's dedicated to him. Because I can guarantee you, a guy like Irvine, after he fixes somebody's car, they're grateful most of the time. And, and you give them the bill. They go, man, brain surgeons don't make this much. That's what they used to tell me when I laid floor covering. And, and, and Irvine... Irvine, when he gets done, he's got a witness with people that I wouldn't have. They won't listen to me, but they just fix, he just fixed your car, found a mystery, solved it. They're like, brother, man, you're really good. He says, well, let me tell you something better than that. Ooh, you got an audience I would never have. Moon would never have. Brother Barrows definitely wouldn't have. Don't, get, don't feel sorry for Barrows. Now, I'm going to say this. It's hard. To break old habits, you know that. Now, if you've been doing this for years and years and years, and this is what you've been taught, God bless you, but it was wrong. That there's a, there's a difference between the secular and sacred. If it's dedicated to God, Romans 12, 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it's all sacred. But you're going to go back into that. Your mind is going to want to go back into that. I remember sitting there cleaning my a wheel on my car one time. I washed my own car. And I, I don't now, but I, I used to wash my own car. I'm too decrepit now to wash it, so I go to over across there to Bubbles. That's a free ad. And so I go to Bubbles, and I haven't washed my car. But as I sit there, you know, I feel like, man, I'm wasting this 15 minutes. No, I'm not. I'm sitting with people that are waiting to get their car washed. And so because I wash my car, I get contact with people I would never, normally never get contact. Every day, is, every day, it's everywhere. Everywhere you go. When, when, when uh, Brother Gilbert's pouring cement, and he finishes that job, and you can talk to the supervisor, and or everything's good, man. By the grace of God, it's sacred, but it's an old habit. This old habit's not going to die easy. You got to rededicate what God has given you to do as an occupation. I believe you got to rededicate it every day, every day, wherever I am, wherever I am. I pray, and when I pray, I enter into the throne room of God. Is that true? Is that true? Hebrews chapter 4. When you pray, you enter into the very holy of holies, the throne room of God. That's true, right? So if that's true, that means when I pray, I enter into the throne room of God. And when you pray, you enter into the throne room of God. And when you pray, you enter the throne room of God. So wherever you're at isn't so important as who you're talking to. So when you go and, and, and where you work and you say, Lord Jesus, help me to meet somebody today, while I'm giving them advice where this is at and where that's at, that needs Jesus, that's holy. That's sacred. 
That's beautiful. I think souls are to be one outside of the church meeting. I think today is edification day. Our main purpose in church is not to win souls in this room. It is to edify the saints that they go out and win souls. And if you understand that your work is sacred and whatever you do is sacred, then you're going to go out with enthusiasm that you, God help me to meet somebody that needs Jesus, explain the gospel to them, lead them to Christ, help them to pray and trust Christ, bring them into church, help them to understand the gospel and uh, the, the doctrine of, of the Christianity, get baptized, join the church, and then do the same as you're doing. That's what it's all about. The Father wants our worship to be real and pure from the heart. We know this from John chapter 4. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The, habits, uh, the Holy Spirit inhabits us. That makes us the very holy of holies. Now, if you're a born-again Christian in this room, I, I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit inhabits you. For a fact. Biblical fact. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians, other places. So if the Holy Spirit inhabits you, who's the Holy Spirit? God. God the Holy Spirit inhabits me. When the children of Israel had the temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies or Holiest. Uh, one person once a year could go in there. And that was a high priest. And he had to sacrifice a bunch of animals. And then he would go in there and sprinkle some blood over the mercy seat. One guy out of a whole nation, 12 million people, got to go in there. You, dear beloved believer, can ask Jesus. In Jesus' name, I come to you. Peter, uh, Jesus taught his disciples, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. You can literally enter in in the name of Jesus into that very sacred place. That if anybody would go in other than that man, they would be killed. But because Jesus was killed for you and took your place and paid for your sin, offers under his own authority the gift of eternal life, and you trusted him, repented, and trusted Christ as your Savior, and you ask him to save you and ask him to be your Savior, and you believe he is who he said he was, God manifests in the flesh. The Bible says you have been born from above. The Holy Spirit came in and he is in you now. You're the holy of holies. It's called the priesthood of the believer. And that makes everything you do really pretty sacred. Now, it doesn't mean the wickedness or evil or any bad thing. But, brother, if my I am tired. I am so tired of people asking me, is so-and-so full-time? Is so-and-so full-time? Usually, what's that? does that mean where he gets his money? Would you think that meant where he got his money? Because the church pays me, does that make me super sanctified? Because I worked 12 years as assistant pastor with no pay. Did that make me unsanctified? Because I worked 12 years as assistant pastor under McKinney with no pay? No. It was just as sacred. I was laying carpet during that period of time and raising real estate down the end of it. I was just as, I felt I was just as, as the, where I got my paycheck didn't make where it wasn't the call from. Folks, kill the heresy, the antithesis of the sacred versus the secular.
Father, help us today. Give us wisdom from above. May you free some people today from the oppression of thinking that they're wasting their time when they're, they're, they're out there making a living or out there doing what you've set before them to do. The women that are at home uh, that, that are raising kids, doing dishes and cleaning old dirty diapers and, 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 and uh, cleaning up after some slob of a husband, I mean a husband. And, and they get tired of picking his socks up and going to the laundry and throwing them in and putting them in the dryer and folding them, putting them back just to have him get them dirty again. They think, what's the use? Well, I can tell you, dear lady, that's sacred. That's just as sacred. If you'll do it in Jesus' name, it's just as sacred as anyone that does anything sacred. And you can do it now with more enthusiasm. You can do it now with a spring in your step. You can do it now with a smile on your face. But whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Father, help them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 one two eight five. Thank you and God bless.